This episode of the regular podcast is brought to you by the hot new album from Biz. 792 million is the title. This shit a banger, man. Check it out. I don't like you motherfuckers. Never did. All that shit you talking is irrelevant. Yo bitch in my apartment getting hella dead. And send her back to you like she never did. Never did. Never did. Yo bitch in my apartment getting hella dead. Never did. Never did. And send her back to you like she never did. Hey, we back for another episode of the regular podcast, man. Y'all know me. I'm Kilo. I'm back with the jump ball. Goons in the club. Case something jump ball. I believe the fabulous philosopher, Kimberly, don't know her last name, said that. Uh, Lil' Kim said that, I think. How y'all doing? My week was cool. Was y'all week as cool as my week? I doubt it, because I always have the coolest of cools. Um, What did I do over the weekend? I actually built uh, this wood, wooden tool. It's called a jig. I built this, this jig. It's called a router planer jig to help me do things as far as, you know, making different. It helps me to flatten wood. So, you know, when you get wood, it's like flat, but it's not really flat so this thing i just made is going to help me make the wood flat without having to buy this more expensive tool that i really don't want to spend a few hundred like you know about three four hundred dollars on right now so i made this thing and i also made the video which you know if you guys are interested in it you'll see it soon on the build and destroy daily channel on youtube which you guys can also go and subscribe to that because I'm doing that because real niggas turn into real men and real men do work. You feel me? Once was a real nigga, now I'm an adult. I'm a man. You know, I've always been a man, but you know, I started as a real nigga. You know, real niggas have to graduate. I've graduated from real nigga. You feel me? You know, I don't really even call myself a real nigga, but I'm saying I used to be a real nigga. You feel me? I'm just a real man. Real men do this type of shit. What we do is we build things. If we don't build if we don't build things physically, we build things metaphorically or we build things physiologically or we build things uh mentally. But the thing about the channel is called build and destroy daily. So something that happened while I was building like my nail gun, like I shot a nail through my thumb. Now, I know I'm, I just made that seem very slight. A nail went in one side of my thumb, I think, and came out the other side. The thing about it is it happened so fast, I never actually saw the nail in my finger. And the nail that I was attempting to shoot into the wood actually went into the wood where I was attempting to shoot it. So I don't know how it also went in my finger and in the wood in the perfect spot at the perfect depth into that wood but i have an entry wound wound in my thumb and i have an exit wound wound in my thumb so i know something went in one side and out the other side of my thumb i just don't know exactly what it was i was using some 18 gauge brad nails you understand if y'all don't know what that means they are very tiny nails they're used to like make furniture really so you know you'll see it holding things together you really have to look hard to see these type of nails in furniture it's very skinny nails 18 gauge is very thin metal and uh so yeah that thing that happened and blood was everywhere you know i had blood dripping all down my hand and whatnot and you know me like i said i'm a man so i took it and this happened very early in my build so all i did i went and got some you know i washed my hand just to make sure i didn't get anything crazy in the in the hole in the cuts or whatever wash my hand you know i wrapped it up with paper towel because this this is there's a hole on two sides of my hand so a bent up of my finger so a band-aid wouldn't really do the trick at this point so i i got a paper towel wrapped it all the way around my finger went and got my tape you know some scotch tape but it's for it's for christmas wrapping gifts so it's very strong scotch tape you know what i mean 
And I wrapped my finger up in that and I went right back to work. You feel me? I finished the video with the hand with the hole in it. You know, like I said, real niggas turn into real men and then we make things. So that happened. Now, if any, you know, anybody got any stories about their weekend, y'all let me know. I did that. I built that and it's done. Now I, I can get on to the next step in making furniture and cabinets and things like that. But that was something that I needed. I needed to have that thing if I wanted to progress in my woodworking uh, lifestyle, which is a hobby. You know, it's just a hobby, just something for me to do to pass time. I'm not trying to become, you know, America's next top model, the woodworking version. I'm just doing my own little thing, and that's it. You know, ain't nothing crazy going on around here. You know, later on in the episode, you know, my man that I had on the beginning that you heard, Biz, I'm, you know, I'm going to interview him uh, towards later on and we'll get him on the phone and see what he thinks about things and get him to explain his album that he just put out, which I want y'all to definitely go check it out on title. His name is B.I.Z. The album is called 792 Million. It's only three songs, but y'all need to go definitely check it out. Support any movement that I, you know, stand behind because I don't stand behind the B.S., I stand next to greatness, and that's what the album is. I like it. All right. So, I don't like this is going to be a short episode, y'all. So, you know, you ain't going to waste too much time with me. I watched, me and Shay watched this thing on YouTube called Best Shot. Now, this is a show that is executive produced. By LeBron James and Maverick Carter, and they also have Jay Williams as like the celebrity, pretty much host. He's not really a host because he he helps coach the basketball team. And what they do, Jay Williams, he links up with a, with a basketball team in New Jersey. You know, the school is called like North Central Tech or something like. You know, it's a high school, but it's like you know, it's in a rough area in Newark, New Jersey, and Jay Williams helps them. You know, he coaches the team with them. But this is not just like a situation where, you know, it's not a Coach Carter situation. You feel me? He's not coming to turn a program around. And this is already a good program. And it's because of this man named OG. OG is a guy who used to be a part of the Zoo Crew back in the 90s. Or, you know, he was a street guy. You know, these dudes was notorious drug dealers and they did their thing. He did it. You know, everybody did what they had to do. They came back better people. So... Now that OG is a is a change man, look at the range man. He got a whole new game plan. He decided that he wanted to dedicate his life to helping the young youth, the young black men. That's he helps everybody, but his biggest focus is the youth. And he was a basketball player as a young man, so he decided he'll be a basketball coach, and that'll be the way he helps out and does the most for his community, what he likes to do. He doesn't go out looking for the best players. He teaches young men to be the best players they can be. And he's actually a great coach because he takes people that normally are not really focused. You know, they got a lot of things going on at home. They're dealing with older older siblings in prison. They're dealing with parents that are missing or parents that are dead or parents in jail, you know. And he's able to get them to sit still for enough time to focus on their goals on a basketball court, which is very hard. You see, in, in a lot of hoods in America, if you go to any street ball court, you will see many, many, many talented young black men or young black boys, right? But then if you look at some of their organized basketball teams, you can't figure out why that doesn't translate on the court when, it's, when, when the games are state-sanctioned. In my theory, and I think other people would agree, it's harder for those kids to channel that same energy in an academic environment because if you're a sports athlete or a, you know a student athlete, that's an academic environment still because you have to uphold a certain GPA. Also, you're being told what to do. The coach pretty much is a staff member or a faculty member at that school, so this is authoritarian. It's a um, this is a, an authority figure that you work with when you play for an official high school basketball team. Whereas when you're on the streets playing, it's just you and y'all, you know, you captain, y'all pick up five or whatever and you run. So 
you got a full day of stress in school while you're sitting there thinking about whatever you're thinking about in your home life. And then you got a teacher that might be bothering you, you know, making things a little bit more difficult for you mentally. And then you have to try to get to practice where they're trying to, you know, they're trying to kind of break you down a little bit because they don't want you coming in here with the bullshit. So they want to make you run if you don't do everything the right way. It's just a different situation when you play organized sports. But this man, OG, that coaches for Central High School out there in Newark, New Jersey, he has been able to get these kids to channel that frustration into basketball skill. And on the show, he actually coached his team up and, and took them to the state championship. They lost, but he made it there. Now, I'm telling y'all that part because that's the shell. That's the template of the show. That is not the meat and potatoes of the show. The meat and potatoes of the show is the stories of the young boys that are on his team. That's the part that you want to go watch this show for. This shit is heavy, man. It's an emotional show. I was emotional. Shay was crying. I didn't cry, but as you know, I'm not a crying type of person. But the closest that I could come to crying, I was there because the shit is heavy, man. And plus, uh, you know, that's my thing. I, I like I feel bad for a lot of young black dudes because of what they go through. And I seen it firsthand. And that shit bugs me. So when I see stuff like that, I'm like, that's, you know, I'm trying to be, I wish I could help everybody for real. All the young black dudes, I wish I could help them all. I just don't have the resources to do it. But if I did, I would help them all because I know a lot of, a lot of us get a, a bad reputation early in life. And once that reputation is there, there's really nothing we can do to change it. When people think what they think about us, they will think that forever. We can't, there's nothing we can do to make them change how they think about us as black men. You know what I'm saying? We could have done something that is very stupid and worthy of judgment, right? But we've done it young. But as we go forward in life, even if we're still not doing that same dumb shit, we're being held to it. People are still holding it up, holding on us. It's like, you know, some people have to put a mask on to hide who they really are. But we change and society is putting a mask on us for us. A mask that we don't want to wear, they're putting a mask on us as black boys and men. Society is putting a mask on us. So what we need is more people like OG. We need more people like LeBron James, Maverick Carter, Rich Paul. Uh, we need more people like Jay Williams. We need more people like Jaden Rose, people like this who want to spend their time and, you know, focus on young black males because everybody in the black community needs help. But young black males are being, you know, not much has changed for us in the past 100 years. All right. So this show is very good. Y'all need to go check this shit out. I'm going to like the reason this shit bothers me so much and not that it bothers me in a bad way. It bothers me. Uh, in a way that is necessary, I guess, for my growth as a human, right? Because I feel pretty much guilty all the time because of how the situation with my younger brothers worked out in life. And it's not like they did, but, and it's not like either one of them have, you know, a life in prison. But they're both in jail right now. One of them is in prison. The other one is, is fighting a case. And these are the brothers that, that pretty much grew up the closest to me. And one of them grew up closer to me because we pretty much, you know, this, we pretty much were in the same house most of our life together. Me and him only like, a, like two years apart. Our birthday is like two weeks apart. But he's like two, you know, he was born in 92. I'm born in 90. He's so... And he's the one with like a, a, a prison sentence out in Nevada of 10 years to 30 years. That's his reign. So he'll be eligible for parole in a few, like maybe four years or something, like maybe two or three years. So, but I feel guilty, right? Because I'm like, damn, growing up, I'm thinking about how, how we was brought up. And I was thinking like, I wasn't really, I didn't really had a mindset to like guide them. I had the mindset really of competition. You feel me? So all my younger brothers wanted to do really was do what I was doing and follow me. But I don't like being followed. You feel me? So I kind of like, you know, pushed them away in a way to 
and they and really them wanting to do what I was doing never with me pushing them away that never stopped so it was just a battle of them wanting to do what I'm doing and do and be with me and all that and I'm just pushing them away and to the point where now that we adults it would have been cool for them to have followed me because I knew early on that I didn't want to do wouldn't be in certain situations prison was one of them even though I ended up having to deal with prison had I known early on how important it was to be a role model I would not have made some of the mistakes I made because I would have been focused on showing my little brothers how to do shit but I didn't really have a role model either because I didn't really like authority but the reason I feel guilt when I watch shit like this is because I feel like damn why wasn't I paying attention early enough in life which I would think maybe around like nine, ten years old, which I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself, but this is just how I feel. That's the only way I could, it could have worked out right, right? Maybe around age nine, ten, eleven, if I would have realized, let them follow you around, let them do what you're doing, let them hang with you and your friends, a lot of shit that ended up happening probably wouldn't have happened. Not that it probably wouldn't have happened. I know for a fact some shit wouldn't have happened the way it happened. Because I always wanted to like do my own do my own shit, you feel me? And I felt like, and I felt like, you know, I just wanted to do different type shit, right? So that's why every time I watch shows like this, I I just always think about my little, especially my little my younger brother. If y'all listening, y'all probably know my Antoine. That's the one that I feel the most guilt about because he the closer and closest in age with me. And he was around more and I had to push him away more because he went harder trying to be around me. So that's the one I feel the most. So when I watch shit like Best Shot, it just be messing me up. I'm like, like, and it's not even like a like a, oh, I'm messed up. Let me just go to therapy and just talk it out. Like, nah, my man got a lot of prison time. Not saying it's too late. It's never too late in life to, you know. Make shit right. But the sentence has been handed out. You feel me? This is a lot of lot of prison time. Yo, he was like, let me see. He got he got his he got locked up when I was serving my sentence. He got locked up. So this is around April 2014. It's been four years and some and some change now. They sentenced him like last year to, you know, he was they was trying to give him like life for like a whole bunch of shit. And I'm thinking like, you know, I feel guilt. And, you know, I probably could have also done something about this a few years ago. And I'm venting right now, y'all, because this the show The Best Shot really got to me. So let me just talk to y'all for a second. A couple years ago, I was dealing with a chick, right? And my brother had got into a situation and I was effed up about it. This was, he was still like underage. And I was feeling effed up about it, right? No, he wasn't still under eight, but he was younger. He, you know, and I was feeling how I was feeling or whatever, feeling guilty. And I let the chick get in my head on some, yo, that's not your fault. You can't, you know, that's his life. He got to live his own life. He, you know, he is him. You, you, you here, you doing your thing. You good. You got this, you got that. And I let that shit sink into my head. And I'm like, damn, I st- even at that point, I could have stepped in and, and been on some, you know, big brother type shit. But I didn't because, like I said, I let that shit get in my head. And it's not her fault, but that's where the, the, the I was feeling guilty back then. I shouldn't have, uh, you know, I shouldn't have internalized what she was saying. I should have just went with what I was thinking, which is it's time to be in role model mode. Even though my brother was in Vegas, I was in Virginia. It was time to be in role model mode and I didn't step up. So like I said, every time I see shit like this, I feel guilt. This show, if y'all saw, if y'all watch um, Uncle Snoop or Coach Snoop or whatever it is on, um, on Netflix, this is like Coach Snoop on steroids. Because the kids on, on Coach Snoop, some of them are like struggling, but they still live in California. And you know, to live in California, you have to have a lot of money. You feel me? They living in hundreds, thousands of dollars houses and all this shit. So yes, they, they got their own struggles, but it's still California. 
this shit up in in New Jersey, these kids, like, listen, man, it's, it's effed up. Like, if you care about young people, when you watch this show, it's going to fuck with you. I'm telling you. Trust me on this. I'm passionate about this shit. You know, I just, I'm, I got different things that I'm trying to work on to get into this because, like I said, I feel the guilt about my younger brothers. I was, I'm trying to make sure that, you know, everything is cool with my people because I couldn't, I couldn't save the people I wanted to save the most because I wasn't aware when I needed to be aware. I wish I was around age nine, 10, 11. And then I would have, I would have came up handling it the right way, but I just didn't. So yeah, man, it's, to me, if you if you are a black man and you listening to this and you feel like, yo, damn, we need to get on it, like, let's get on it, yo. Let's do what we got to do together. And I'm not even on one of them, like, I, I ain't telling, if you in the streets and you living how you living, that ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm talking about people who are in position to help other black men and boys out. We got to do it. I'm going to be on that probably forever because, I mean, look what's going on. I, like I just said, my my youngest brother, biologically, youngest brother is fighting a case where he's looking at some years. And my other younger brother is sentenced. You know what I'm saying? So his his thing right now is like, yo, he's trying to get to a better facility with more with more programs so that he can, you know, look good for the parole board. But right now he's at a place with no programs. So imagine you thinking about getting parole and these people got you in a place where you can't do anything to look good for a parole board, which is go to college or have a job or, you know, do different volunteering type things. The place he's at doesn't have that, even though he was just approved to go down to a, a you know, a lower security level. Still, they got him sitting. He's been sitting there for years now with, with this situation going on. Like I say, you know, this shit is near and dear. I'll say that near and dear to me. I get emotional when I'm when I talk about it, when I think about it. I'm just telling y'all about it because um, this the shit is is real in the world. It ain't just it ain't just on TV. You know, it's not just about the show. Big the best shot. It's about more for me. And if y'all know me, that means it affects y'all because I'm affected by it. And I'm somebody that y'all love and show love to. So that means we're all affected. You understand the mathematics? We all affected by it. I'm sure y'all have some people that y'all probably don't reach out to enough that's sitting in prison with some long ass sentence and, and they would like somebody to reach out to them. You feel me? And it's not your fault because you are handling life. And I'm not mad at anybody who doesn't write somebody that's in prison. But if you do get a chance, just write them. Say what's up. That's all they really want. They don't they don't want your money, man. Just send them a letter. Or if you see a young dude and he out there and he and he doing, don't walk up on him trying to preach him, preach to him. Your best bet is to try to befriend the young boy. Befriend the kid. The kid probably, if he out here tripping, he probably just needs somebody to talk to, really. And not on some so young man tell me tell me what's on your mind like nah don't do that that shit is corny and nobody's gonna talk to you like that you gotta know how to talk to people so that they open i know a lot of y'all don't have experience with this because you know it's not your thing to talk to people about their problems but i'm just saying the people who do or if you are not somebody who is like this but you know somebody who's like this link them with me man so we can deal with this we don't need everybody on you know you do your thing we can all be pro-black in our own ways. I'm not mad at y'all for doing, you know, live how you live. We can all be pro-black in our own ways. My way is the young, the young. You feel me? So, man, such a, such a, such a, a situation. So, 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 so dear. See, y'all see me now. Everybody who sees me sees me now. You don't see the young ghettoized version of me. You see the corporate. I'm corporate now. I'm the podcast version of me now. I don't go outside because, you know what I'm saying, I don't, I don't like people, if you feel me. But there was a time when I knew different things and was around different types of people when the streetlights was on. And I just wish that 
I was always the way I am now. I'll say it like that. If I was always like this, my brothers would have not gone through what they went through. You feel me? So that's that's all I really got on that situation, man. I said all that about myself because the best shot brought that out of me. I felt like this is something that the podcast people need to hear as promo for best shots because them young dudes on there. It got me so so me and Shay was talking about it. It got us so worked up. We thinking about like, damn, we really want to know what happened with these young boys after the show was off because it's like that. This is like some shit where you looking at it and you want to know if those kids are okay. That's how effed up they was. You feel me? I'm not saying that they was living under a bridge, but you, when you see it, you can tell that they live in dangerous circumstances daily. You feel me? And to hear some of the stuff that people, the pressures that they put on these young dudes, when you hear how their family is talking to them, some of y'all who have not, who don't have any experience with that, y'all gonna be shocked. So that's all I got on that, man. Like I, I said that already, but that's really all I got on that. And that's a that's a great segue. So we're we talking about, you know, the black youth and being pro-black in our own ways. Black Enterprise Magazine just did an article. What day was that? The article came out August 3rd, and it was written by Candia Johnson. Uh, her name is spelled K-A-N-D-I-A Johnson. So I'm going I'm to assume that's Candia. <laughs> Excuse me. Candia and the type the article's uh, title is the headline is how many black male teachers did you have growing up? Now I want to know how many y'all had. I want to know how many black male teachers y'all had growing up. Y'all make sure y'all hit me up at kilo underscore righteous on Twitter, or you can hit me at Jamar Kilo Mansa on facebook i had to i had to um think about what my last name was on on facebook because i you know i used to change that shit a lot jamar kilo mansa on facebook or at kilo mansa on instagram hit me up and let me know how many black male teachers did you have growing up i will tell you i had a few administrators male that were black you know vice prince principals deans you know uh and and people that were at the school but personally I have never had a black male teacher other than one substitute. His name was Mr. Warren in Youngstown, Ohio. Mr. Warren, and this is this is the effed up part about stuff. Like, you know how people be like a job, when you try to get a job, you need experience or whatever like that. But why why do school systems pigeonhole people into being permanent substitute teachers? Why, after a certain amount of time, can't they, you know, become teachers? Anyway, that's another conversation for another day. Actually, that conversation goes right into here. Mr. Warren, I had him as a substitute teacher from, like, middle school during random times in high school. The dude was always a sub, man. I don't know why he was only a substitute. Actually, he he used to drive the school bus sometimes, too. Like, this is the type of shit that black men is doing. So, there are... So, me... Personally, I had zero. I know um, some people on my Facebook, they said they had a couple. I want to know how many y'all had. Let me know how many black male teachers you have had. They say, by they, I say this is an, an organization called the Black Male Educators Convening. It's an organization on a mission to triple the number of highly effective black male teachers in Philadelphia public schools by two. 1,000 by 2025 through a series of programs, including a yearly conference, purpose career fair, two year paid summer program and membership alliance for black male educators. BMEC is sending a clear message. Only 2% of teachers are black and male. And that's not enough. What they say, but they're not talking about Philadelphia. They're talking about the entire country. There are only 2% black Male te- So of all the teachers in America, only 2% of them are black men. Do y'all know why? I'd say the main reason is because it's not really encouraged or promoted to black men to become teachers. Right. Also, you have to think about the amount of black men that are ineligible to become teachers. Why? Because of felonies. Once you get a felony, teaching 
is over for you. That shit is done. That's not a profession that you can get into when it comes to the public school system. You may be, you know, you might even have problems coming on school volunteering, as I told y'all before with my situation. The, the county, the state governments, these people, if you have a felony, they're not trying to deal with you. You feel me? So think about the, there are millions, literally millions of black men that will never, unless laws change, they'll never be eligible. And the laws that have to change will have to be, there is absolutely no discrimination against felons. That would have to be the law. That would never happen. So there are millions of black men that are ineligible to be teachers, even if they wanted to. There are only 44 million black people, period. So if you wipe millions out of the running, then, you know, you really don't have a space where black men even think that teaching is a thing for them or for us. When I was being kicked out of the Navy, I was actually trying to go to the Teaching for America program. But I didn't go hard with it because I didn't know how my case would would turn out. And, you know, it wouldn't have turned out well because I ended up being convicted. So they would have threw me out of the program anyway. And I would have ended up having to pay whatever money back was used on education. So, you know, I didn't do that. But teaching is my thing. That's what you, you can tell by the way I structure my podcast. Teaching is, it, it, you know, I would be a good teacher. I'm good at speaking to kids. Kids love me and everything like that. So the reason we don't have a lot of black male teachers is not promoted to us. So this this organization in Philadelphia, they are spending their resources on October 12th to the 14th. And they want to do a conference to promote teaching to black men. I think that's amazing because we need more. black. First of all, we need more black teachers in schools where black kids go. I think we also need black teachers in places where where white kids live. You know what I'm saying? You know how we the most of the time we talk about black teachers and shit like that, we're we're talking about in the ghettos. We talk about in the hood where mostly black people live at. But America looks like America because white people have been creating narratives and regurgitating that narrative in classrooms for centuries. Now, when when some of us grow up, we get to hear certain things and and certain you know some messages will leak into our schools but those schools where they're all white all white schools with white teachers white administrators they don't get any kind of information about black people when they find out about black people it's on tv they they find out their earliest that you know the majority of their black information comes from sports that's that's where a lot of white people are introduced to, they love the the black athletes but other than that they don't really know any black people they might have heard about the rappers, but that's not their favorite artist most of the time. The athletes <clears throat> are the most uh, invading of different cultures and different heritages around the world. Athletics. That's where you get the most mixing at from athletics. Not even music as much as you would think. Athletics is it. I'm telling you, trust me. So we, I think we need black male teachers all over the country. You feel me? Because if we have two... In all of America, I would get I would bet the majority of those are in the South. I would say the majority of those are below the Mason Dixon. I would say probably some D.C., some Baltimore, some Richmond, some Norfolk, uh, Virginia, you know, the seven cities area, some Charlotte, Atlanta. I wouldn't even say Miami for real. Atlanta, I would say Birmingham, Montgomery. I would say maybe New Orleans. I don't know. I would say all below the Mason-Dixon. I would say it stops at Louisiana. So I would say below, I mean, from um, everything east, I would say what a majority of those black males are teaching would be east of Louisiana, no more north than Tennessee, and, you know, and follow the Tennessee line over there to the Mason-Dixon. You could take the... the the top border of Tennessee over to, to uh, the Mason-Dixon and um, and and then, well, not the Tennessee border to the Mason-Dixon, but just take the Tennessee border and draw a line straight to the top of Maryland, right? The northern edge of Maryland, the Tennessee 
and down and then above Florida. I think it's where, you know, that southeast of America is where the majority of black men are teaching. That means the rest of the country is not being exposed to blackness is what I'm saying. As far as from administrators in school, as far as educators in the school setting. Right. Because what they say is black students. Let me let me see here real quick, because I just had. Uh, one second. Fellowship is fighting. Hold up. Here it go. Research shows that black boys from low income neighborhoods are 39 percent more likely to graduate and attend college when they have been impacted by a highly effective black male teacher. Suspension rates go down and black students are more likely to do better in school overall. Representation in the classroom matters. You heard what that was, right? 39 percent more likely to graduate and attend college when they've been impacted by a highly effective black male teacher. Right. Suspension rates go down. Now, that's a key part right there, because a lot of black kids don't even make it through school years fully because teachers are looking at them and calling them, you know, nuisance and dangerous and, and you know, a threat and, and saying they're disruptive and all kind of shit. And they're kicking them out the classroom. I, for one, you know, y'all like y'all see me now. Like I said, I'm a nerd now, but I hated school. And I think I hated school because the teachers didn't like me. Maybe the teachers didn't like me because I was a little bit jokey. But I don't think that my joking was so much more uh, disruption than anybody else's joking to the point where I had to be kicked out as much as I was kicked out of class. You feel me? The, the teachers used to make me go. Like I was in gifted, right? And this is what the teachers would do. The teacher would make me leave the class and go to her her friend's class, like another teacher in, in the non-gifted part of the school and make me stand in the back of their class while they were teaching. So tell me how that punishment fits whatever you are claiming that I did, teacher. And by the way, no black teacher, because I had some black women teachers, no black teacher has ever done that to me made me leave the class and go stand in another teacher's classroom. That has never happened to me from a black teacher. So this is what they, they will make me leave and go. So you're telling me you will have me standing in somebody else's class, which will disrupt their class because the students will be looking at me instead of paying attention to the teacher. If I can stand in the back of their class, why can't I stand in the back of my own class so I can still hear my own lesson? But I have to go in there to hear their lesson. Does that make sense? No, if I was really being disruptive, write me up, send me to the office. But this is like the military, non-judicial punishment, meaning you're just punishing me off the books so that nobody knows what you're doing as a teacher. That's the kind of shit that they do to black boys. I'm not telling y'all because I'm guessing. I'm telling you from experience. Now, had I had some more black male teachers and black teachers, period, maybe this shit wouldn't have been happening as much as it was happening. But it was happening a lot to me personally. I didn't like school. Maybe I didn't like school because of that. I don't know. But uh, we need more black men in these schools, man. Whether, you know, we, we already, we know we have a lot of black men coaching sports. So they're in the school because you see them. They're walking around looking like um, gym teachers, looking like Cedric the Entertainer on a, on, a, on a Steve Harvey show. That's what a lot of times, that's what we see, for real. But we need more of them teaching, you know, especially in like language arts and English, because, you know, when we do teach, we end up teaching math and science, which is great. But we need more more English and, and language arts and history teaching from black men and black women, too. But we we don't have a lot of black men teaching at all. So like I just read, 39 percent are more likely to graduate and attend college and black students overall are likely to do better. That means black girls are performing better also in schools when a black man is in their teaching. You know, we know teaching is run by white women. You understand? Which is interesting. Teaching. This is the fun part about it. This is the fun part. Right. The fun part about the situation. Which, which one? Why the fuck you ain't eating cold? This is the fun part about it. You know what I'm saying? This is why they didn't eat it cold. The black women, I mean, the white women are the majority of teachers in the country. But the majority of people making the decisions about the shit are white men. So this is like. I won't go. I won't go there. We ain't going to do all that. 
I ain't going to do all that because I know y'all bored. I know y'all bored. Y'all don't care about this stuff. Y'all really don't. I can see it in your face. I see it in your face. Now, where we at right now? Damn, this episode going to be longer than I thought, but I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Now, Travis Scott, Travis Scott, yeah, he dropped the album over the weekend. I know I just cut off the, the school thing. Like I said, y'all, let's, you know, we need more black men teaching. If you're interested in teaching, find somebody that can help you get into it. I'm not one of those people because I don't know much about getting into that field. Now, Travis Scott, he dropped an album over the weekend. It was on Friday. The album is called Astro World. Now, one thing that I learned over the weekend, Travis Scott has way more fans that I knew than I knew that he had. I didn't know he had this many diehard fans. Okay, so that's first. Secondly. This is the first Travis Scott album that I could listen to respectfully. The other two, they were not for me. Rodeo wasn't for me. Birds in a Trap Sing Big Night wasn't for me. Mainly because that's a stupid title. I don't understand what that title means. So, not that it's a stupid title. Let me back that. Let me back the track on that one. It's not a stupid title. I don't understand it. Birds in a Trap Sing Big Night. Maybe one of y'all fans can help me understand. Because I listened to the album, but none of it made sense to me. Astro World is actually the first one that I could get jiggy with. And it's still probably something that I probably I'll come back to it eventually, but it's really still something that I you know, it's just it's not for me. You feel me? It's, it's not for me. So I went like what's going on with 2018? I, I see people I saw I just heard Nori on the um on an interview like Angie Martinez and the Breakfast Club and shit, and he was talking about how great and classic 2018 is but no this is the problem people get caught up in the names man the names don't matter the music matters people so caught up in the fact that all of these people with big names dropped albums this year and they're ignoring the fact that these albums have been mediocre in 2018 the albums that have come out have not been as great as they should have been for the names that have come out i'm sick of it so many of these I said I'm sick of it. Let me let me let y'all know that I'm not as passionate about my anger as it probably sounds, because I do still listen to a lot of this shit. I'm just saying it's not as good as it should have been. You feel me? I don't even count. I feel like if Jay Z and Beyonce's album ends up being a top ten album for this year, this year was trash because that album to me was full of like you know stuff they was just doing and making up on their own and shit like that. Producing themselves, probably everybody was writing it themselves. Beyonce rapping, that's a top 10 album this year? Really? That's terrible to me. That's a bad year, especially in a year where Kanye dropped, Pusha T dropped, Nas came out, Kid Cudi and Kanye came out, Culture, uh, you know, the Migos dropped. Um, man, so many people came out with albums this year. This shit don't even make sense. Nori came out. Like, listen, y'all. These artists, these musicians need to get their whole act together. You feel me? We need better music than this. We can't just, you know, they're just giving us any old thing and expecting us to, to, to like the shit. And some of y'all are falling for it. Y'all are digging it. You feel me? So y'all let me know how y'all feel about the albums this year, man. I think that they have been pretty weak. There are a few that I like. I feel like, um, you know, Victory Lap is great. And I feel like KOD is great. And I feel like invasion of privacy is great you know the um dang i can't even think of my man's name yo sheesh that's crazy wow his name really i feel like his name was ryan something damn I, his name really just went like it just was in my head because i was listening to the album earlier yo wow it was crazy anyway i can't even think of dude's name but him uh not the artist him but you know the dude that i can't think of his name his album is good you know, uh, Daytona is actually a great album. It's definitely the best album out of, out of good music. Y'all heard me say that already. It's but the, but a whole lot of people dropped albums and they haven't been that good this year. You know what I'm saying? Tiana Taylor need to throw that whole shit. She need a time machine. Go back in time. Sh you know, shoot shoot up the studio so that they don't release that, <laughs> and then like come back to the future because that shit was you know throw it away. All right. So what we gonna do now I'm gonna get my man Biz on the phone we gonna chop it up about about this uh, about his album his project 792 million or 792 million we're gonna get clarification on that cause I need to figure out what's the best way to say that that's a big ass number it's a big ass number 
right, bro. So so let's talk about the album, man. What's, what's the album title? I want to make sure I'm saying it the right way. Yeah, 792 million, man. 792 million. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, my whole my whole ordeal, you know what I'm saying, you know, it was a 792. It's significant for that number. You know what I'm saying? But it was it was a little, little too deep for people to kind of grasp, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Because it was my own little personal, you know, I guess meaning. You know what I'm saying? And people always would ask what it was. So I wanted to make it a little bit more relatable. You know what I'm saying? That people can grasp. You know what I'm saying? Something that people can relate to and something that people will want to attain. You know what I mean? Right. Is that the area code? Nah, nah, nah. 792, basically, it started out. It basically started out like, you know, you know, we was in the Navy and whatnot. We used to throw all these kind of crazy wild parties and shit. So, you know, PWA, that was the, that was the, uh, the group. You know what I'm saying? It was corny. It was like cowards with attitude type shit. So, you know, that's what we that's where we started from. So I just took them numbers and just, you know, yeah. created the the music side of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. How many yeah. you you calling this an album or E P? Uh E P. E P. Okay. Yeah, it's EP. I'm feeling the joint, man. I already told you about it earlier, man. I was listening like I think you, I think earlier when I listened to it though, like I didn't I I listened to Timeless in uh Timeless in New Orleans, which is track three on the joint. But yeah. I, I I wasn't hearing it right at first. I was hearing mm-hmm. it different. <laughs> so then I kept on listening to the joint, right? And I'm like, right. oh, this is a, this is this is a real situation right here. Yeah, so so I want you to I want you to get into that, man. Tell the people about like what the track is about, and then we we'll get into it from there. Well, yeah. Well, basically, Timeless in New Orleans, man, was basically. Um, it's a self-reflection song, you know what I'm saying? I think it's it's something that a lot of black men end up going through, you know what I'm saying? And, and you know, it ain't no, it ain't no like knock on anybody else, you know what I'm saying? It's pretty much like you owning up to your situation and you're trying to man up to what's going on. So basically, um, you know, in the, in the line I say is I'm, I'm sitting in the, you know, as I'm puffing on my cigar and I drink my liquor, I feel my, I feel my son uh, look at me like just another nigga. Just another nigga, right? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I'm feeling as a father because of because of the decisions that I made as a young man to go and you know impregnate you know a young lady early you know and not really knowing that person. You feel what I'm saying? Right. And getting into that situation pretty much down the line has caused damage. You know, to not not only to my life to her life. And also trickle down to my son. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know now they have to suffer for the the bad decisions that we made. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that that's where that that's where that come in. That you know what I'm saying? And like you know when I because me, me and her we we end up getting married. You know what I'm saying? But you know I was I was out there doing my little one too. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you know when when shit start getting hectic, you know it got a little violent. You know what I'm saying? Like it got violent between. Me and her, it mm-hmm. got violent between me and her family. Mm-hmm. Like shit was, you know, shit was really going down. You know what I'm saying? So like, and it's another line when I said when I when I went to get my son, you had the ratchet, ratchet just in case yeah, you had to like let I, one of them niggas have it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fact, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. so, so it, you know, it's 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 a real situation, and it's almost like it's it's it, you know, it's telling it it's telling it from the beginning to the end of how I made the wrong decision and how I'm you know just reflecting and then also what i had to do in the midst of the bullshit but at the same time coming out of that me and her was able to have a conversation amongst each other right yeah and the main thing that we was talking about that me and her was talking about was like yo we don't even really have to go this route we ain't got to have all these this court system and doing all this crazy shit we could just handle this stuff like adults you know what i'm saying because i think as as black people, that whole court system thing, if you're not married to your old lady and with your old lady, it don't just seem normal, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, like when I was talking to her, and I, as I was doing more reading and more research and understanding why all of those things were in the place, I was putting her on to the same things at the same time. And then one day, me and I just had like a come to Jesus moment. Well, we pretty much like apologize to each other, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For everything, you know what I mean? And, and you know, we kind of just, she, you know, 
she dropped all the child support and all that old stuff, and we started handling it amicably after that. You know what I'm saying? So that's pretty much the whole thing that that I was covering with that and just reflecting. You know what I mean? Because it, it's, it's dudes out here right now that probably, you know, they they dealing with that. And, like, I'm a big advocate of, like, I'm not about to sit here and hold on to my story. And you know how people are like, oh, that's my business. I don't need, you know, people don't need to know. But you never know who you can help yeah. with your story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was that was the premise behind that part right there. My champagne poppy shit, my god body shit. I'm taking my vitamins. I got that glow. Name a nigga that's hot as this. I'm coming for blood. I think I'm a phlebotomist. Uh, as I'm puffing on my cigar and I drink my liquor, I feel my sons are look at me like just another nigga. I feel I'm failing as a father and they're shaming me because I chose a better life. Man, this pain is deep. I moved away because the fighting wasn't stopping up. I could have stayed and beat your ass some more and went to jail, but I ain't stupid. I got a troop and I'm chunking deuces. Wanted to stop me, you couldn't block me. I'm on some new shit. Got your family up in the business making statements. They only hear it one side, but fuck it, I could take it. When I went to get my my sons always kept the ratchet just in case one of you bucked i was gonna let you have it man the world don't give a fuck what type of shit we facing they turned our women into enemies this shit is crazy they teach our girls from young they gotta use the system juvenile and domestic court is a fucking business cashing out on our pain to make these crackers richer but you too blinded by the light to even get the picture now i ain't saying if he ain't doing don't get your paper but yeah I, I was feeling that joint so i noticed that you said um that it was it was messing with her life too, and you know normally, normally dudes only talk about how something is affecting us or our kids. Right. We don't really talk about how the how the woman is being affected. How you think right. she was? How you think her life was being affected in a negative way from that whole situation? I think that her life was being affected in a negative way because I mean, you like as a man, you really have to own up to your to your bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. of course, we both did we both did some things. Of course, she did some things to me, but in return. I put her through the ringer as well. You know what I'm saying? I got a man up. And that was that was part of our growth. You know what I'm saying? Our growth together was that we both admitted our wrongs and admitted what we did to each other. And we had to move forward. But the, the way I think it affected her was, you know, the way women see it is, they like, look, I got the kids. My life is over. You can move about how you want to move about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, with that is like she had kids early. She, you know, for whatever reason, she felt like she had to, which, you know, that's a whole nother thing. But she had to, like, you know, take this on by herself. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a long, drawn-out story, but that's basically what, what it bought, what it boils down to. Like, you know, it, her, her life was altered majorly. You know, mine was altered, too. Right. But it's it's in my it's in my it's in my character to keep moving. But you know, everybody not built like me. Everybody not built like people who just out here trying to you know go get some. Right, right. So. See, I was I was listening to the song, and I have like, you know, I had these theories about rappers and how rappers put their stories out there and everything. And I think mm-hmm. you know how a lot of times, once a rapper blows up. Then they start opening up about stuff like this because millions yeah. of people care about it. Then, so I'm wondering, like, how do? You, so I'm guessing you just kind of answered that question. You put it out there because you don't want to hold your story back because it could have helped somebody else out. But That's I'm thinking, like, when you blow up, though, you want to tell that mm-hmm. story again for all the rest of the fans right. that that hear you, right? Right. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, is like, all of this stuff is really regurgitated. I mean, you could all you could say like. A lot of these rappers, when they come up, it's almost like a rapper that sell dope, right? Or that that been through the struggle. Yeah. Oh, oh, the rapper about getting caught with however many bricks, how many times? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's just the way you put it. Nothing, nothing said is original. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. just, it's just, the, it's just the way that we put it. You know what I'm saying? And the way that we put it to the to the audience and the way that we deliver it. But the main thing is for me that I that I'm able to write these type of records is because that's how I get through it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I don't really. I'm not. I'm not the one that sit down and and cry. You know what I'm saying? Like I really. You know what I'm saying? I can't for some reason. Like you know, that's not how I, how I deal with things. But the way I get through through you know the situation is I really have to write about. It. 
True, true. Mm-hmm. That's hard. I'm feeling that joint. I'm a, I'm a, you cool with me playing a song on here, right? Yeah, that's a fact. Everybody, y'all can go to Title and check them out too. Uh, Biz, is it? It's Biz. Period. I. I mean, it's B. Period. Yeah. I, period. Z. Period. Yeah, yeah. B. I. Z. Yeah. So yeah, type it in like that. Uh, we, I'm getting, I'm getting everything figured out with with Apple Music too. Like, they, you know, they, they Apple Music keep correcting and just putting B, Biz all together. So right. I gotta figure out how I can get all that, you know, so I can separate myself from because there's like a billion other dudes. That's, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to just keep dropping content so I can move them lower and lower to, lower on the totem pole. But, right. yeah, you can find me a title on uh, at b.i.z and type in 792 million, and I'm going to pop right up. Cool, cool. And everybody everybody listening, man, I don't just I don't just be putting any old body on the podcast because I don't really care to just talk to people just to talk to people. You know what I mean? This is a, this a good dude, and he got great music. So, y'all, everybody definitely need to check it out. And and he talking about something. It ain't you know my favorite song on the joint is uh, "Never Did." That's kind of like a like a upbeat. It's an upbeat joint too, though. But you got the yeah. introspective records too. But I never did is my joint. You got your man's yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah. What's your man's name on there? My man Gator, man. Gator, Gator yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And that's that's a story within itself, bro. That's the ang- if you if you can't tell, it's an angry record. You know. What I'm saying? Yeah, I could tell. But I like that type shit where you said like you know what I'm saying. I don't like you niggas. Never did. You feel me? That's my type of shit. Cause I don't, you know, that's how I be feeling for real. That's fact. Yeah, that's, well, fact. I, that's my joint too. Rooftop is a good intro too. I like that. You know, you kind of through the yeah. through the whole first verse, you mm-hmm. get into the, you know, you kind of go from the fall, the the down to the up, all in the first verse. Now you like, now we're on the rooftop. You know, you yeah. all the way right there in the first verse. So I like, yeah, I like man. that vibe on the on, on. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Like I said, y'all, it's only three songs. I like all this shit. Y'all go check it out. Hey, I got I had another topic on the podcast that I want to get your, your input on right quick. Yeah, no problem. Black male teachers. You ever had any black men as your teacher? Mm, nah. Well, I had one that, like, usually it would be like the gym teacher and shit like that. They don't really be no, no, you know what, I'm lying. I had a black science teacher one time. Okay. Yeah. What, what grade was that? That was around, uh, I think it was, that was eighth grade. Eighth grade, I had a black uh, science teacher. Okay. He was actually one of the best ones, actually. See, that, that's that's what it's about. Because that's what they yeah. say. The black, the, the way that black men as teachers affect black youth, boy yeah, and man. girls, is just to have more of an impact on them when it comes to the teaching environment. So that's the fact, fact that you said that he was like the best one is, is, is wild, too. Yeah, that's a fact. Cause I mean, I, and you know, you know how you got certain teachers where you kind of never really had an issue. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And even if you do have an issue, he'll pull you to the side and be like, you know, you know, what's going on? What's your problem? You know what I'm saying? And kind of give you that, give you that 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 uh that male energy. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. kind of set you in line. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. That's but all. I always, I always with the white female teachers, man. I always had an issue. <laughs> of course, because they got an issue with you. <laughs> like yeah, that's you know what I mean? Don't don't no kid you, come into school wanting to have beef with a teacher. Nobody. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a quick little story. And this is about my son. And mm. my son, I have, I got a I got a, a 12 year old man. Okay. And um, he was in school. This was last year. He had he had an issue where he was you know he was up at school, and the teacher told him to go to the back of the class. Yeah. Now, when the teacher told him to go to the back of the class. And he eleven years old, right? So he got a little attitude. He takes his finger and like acts like he's making a gun, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. You know his teacher called the police. Of course, he said he threatened her life. I already know. He said that my son he said that my son is a threat to the classroom. Exactly. I already know. <laughs> That's crazy. So, bro. <laughs> That's hot. So I mean, okay, okay. So how do you handle it from there, though? From there, they called us. I, I mean, I, I came from New Orleans and went straight to Virginia, man. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I got in the car and I drove up maybe like a couple of days later and had a meeting with them, man, because we had to get them moved out that class. But, you know, basically, you know, like Virginia, and you've been there. Like, it's not really a – it's very segregated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're they not really – they're not – like you said, they're not really fooling with us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, for you to look at an 11-year-old, like, he a threat. 
yeah, he may be mischievous, but a threat. Right. That, that's you know it's crazy. Them teachers got them buzzwords, yo. It's them, it's exactly. them words. It's them words, man. That threat yeah. is one of them words, man. That's a fact, bro. That's that's, that's crazy, fact. man. That's a fact. What what city is your son in? He's in Danville, Virginia. Okay, okay. Yeah, both. I got two sons. They both yeah. there. Yep, they both there. Their mom, yeah. I mess with Danville. Shout out to everybody from Danville, my man B-Mass, and everybody else from out there. I like Danville. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the crib, man. Yeah. Oh, you from there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I'm from. Oh, okay. That shit country yeah. as hell, though. But I like it out yeah, there. I like the country. Country is a motherfucker, bro. But yeah, that's the crib. That's where I'm from. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm cool with a couple of people from out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So maybe Danville just got some cool people. I didn't even know you was, I, I didn't even know you was from there when I was being cool with you. Yeah, right. I know, right? We were just kicking it. Yeah, so Danville the yeah, spot then. That Danville got the got the got the cool people from out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. We, we got good temperament. You know what I'm saying? We respect people, that's all. Oh okay, yep, that's true. Show love. Mm-hmm. Show love. And they got they got some street culture out there too. I know a little bit about that a little bit on a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah they do, man. And, and while we on that, you know what I'm saying, you know, shout out to my cousin, man. He get out in twenty twenty nine. You know what I'm saying? I think me and you was talking about that. You know, yep. uh time before you know so shout out to everybody who locked down yeah yep yep you know virginia they they like that they can't wait to lock a nigga up out there yeah yeah <laughs> ain't no joke bro it ain't no ain't no conjugal visits either. hell nah and they say that they got the motto they say uh people who from out of town come on vacation stay on probation or come on probation <laughs> leave on come on vacation leave on probation <laughs> that's some sick shit yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, they it's got they got up. so many out of towners locked up in VA. It don't even make no sense. Yeah, it's fucked up, bro. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, I ain't had no issues with police and knock on wood, but I haven't had any issues since I've been down here in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I think part of that is because a lot of the the police officers here, not saying that they the greatest motherfuckers, but a lot of the police officers down here are that you know. Like they of that culture, you know what I'm saying? They from the project, and they know they they know a lot of the people here, so they handle situations a lot different. What I've seen in my hometown, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Then it's, it's it's better than not, cause them Louisiana prisons, they notorious yeah. down. I, I, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, this real this real life. It, it ain't even modern day slavery, bro. Shit, just slavery. This real life slavery dudes out here, man. I I I, got, I talked to a couple older cats here. Like that's all I hang with is the guy, and uh, it's an older cat. He just came home from doing uh doing uh fifteen, mm-hmm. and um they pretty much they they got to grow their own food and all that shit. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Angola Angola ain't no joke, man. Yeah, man. I ain't, I don't wish that on nobody. They need to <laughs> they need to get rid of prisons. In Louisiana altogether until they figure something else out. Yeah, they got to figure something out, bro. Because it's definitely as much money as come down here, especially to the city alone. As much money come down here, bro, it shouldn't be in this state. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that shit crazy, man. But I ain't going to hold you up too much, man. I'm, I appreciate you for coming on with me. You know, we, we chatted man, for no about, about 20 minutes almost. All right, cool. Well, shit, we good, man. I, um, Tell the I, people you know, your, social, your social media stuff so they can find you. Yeah, y'all can find me on Instagram and Twitter at uh, biz, B-I-Z underscore 792. And you can go to find me on Facebook, D.I.I.Z. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and y'all can, you know, that's my fan page on Facebook. So, yeah, y'all find me there. I appreciate you having me, brother. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Love. I know we talked about this last year. I said I wanted to come talk to you when I had something going on. So Yeah, you got yeah, something going on. on. And I'm and digging the joint, too. And I appreciate it, bro. And it's it's more to come too. Bet, bet. We'll we'll yeah. we'll get back on here when you drop the next joint too. That's a fact, man. All right, good looking, man. All right, brother. Peace. Yeah. That was my man Biz, man. You know, very good dude. Y'all make sure y'all go ahead and check him out. I think that's all I got for y'all today. I apologize for all the clicking and the popping that was going on. You know, a lot of feedback happening from the sound system. That means. That means I might have to um, put some money into the into my call situation to step that up so I don't have to deal with all that feedback. You know, that's one thing I do not like. I'm into this 
audio production thing. Feedback is a big no-no, but I, I wanted to get my guy on here because I really do like that project. So, uh, next time we get a call on here, I'm going to make sure that the sound is better. But don't let that take away from what Biz was saying, man. Biz was saying some good stuff on there. And it was good that he opened up about his situation with his uh, child's mother. His, you know, the mother of his children. And they were able to work things out and actually get past the child support situation. So that's always a good thing, man. I commend that, you know, with the, with the hardest salute. You understand? That's all I got for y'all. Make sure y'all subscribe, like, share everything to the regular podcast. Peace.